Well, hello, John, and hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 95 of North v South, podcast which is increasingly not about design. Uh, I'm Rob Turpin, John Elliman at the other end of the line in the Shire. Hello, John. Hello, Rob. Uh, you've been away. I have. Well, we've both been, been away for a long time. It's two months since our last podcast. Is it? We, well, we were scheduled to do one, weren't we? Um, we were. To do do a few, actually. <laughs> but we just haven't had time. Yeah. And, I, I, and I, I can't find any of my notes that I've made prior to that. So I'm kind of winged it a it's little all right. bit. all um, right. Just ease yeah, ourselves not, back in gently. Yeah, we need to... Um, we need to work out what we're doing with this thing, don't we? Um, yeah, it's a little bit. Excuse me? That's Ralph. How is he? How are you, Ralph? Um, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> he's been away at his, uh, his grandparents. Yeah. On summer holiday. Do you enjoy that? Having a very nice time. He loves it down there. He's yeah. on the beach. So. Oh, nice. He's all right. Did you see Grand Designs last night? Yes. Was it? Was that? Was it one built on a cliff? Yes. Or was that a different? Yes. One? Didn't like the house. Was that not at all? Uh, it was no. the night before, wasn't it? But I'd recorded it. What on earth were they doing, building a house on the edge of a cliff? Yeah, miles away from where they lived. It didn't seem like they were very happy there. This was because he liked yachting. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a quite a yacht to. Yeah. Basically, we should describe that it's it's it was an old like listening post for in the cold, used in the Cold War. So it was like a prefab hut on the edge of some cliffs. Yeah, in Galloway in southwest Scotland. It wasn't particularly beautiful, was it? It wasn't. I mean, well, the, the problem is, if you build something like that, all you the only view you get is the sea. Yeah. Well, you kind of want to see sea and land, don't you? That's the, you know, the junction is where the beauty is, really. And all they could see is the sea, because they were on top of the bloody cliff. Hmm. So I don't know. It was an ugly house as well. It was funny with the boulders. <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those dogs. My cousin has got one of those dogs. Yeah. They're just, they're like horses. They're so big. And we, we, we had one of those. Slobbery. And it was stolen in South Africa. Really? Yeah, a lot of them are stolen oh. to order. They're expensive dogs. Yeah. Um, but they are susceptible to... Uh, to nasty things they? but they're lovely lovely dogs mm. a lot of dribble yes a lot of dribble you should say what they are really uh, Newfoundland water dogs yeah they're very good at swimming yeah it was quite weird seeing the woman in the sea in a wetsuit with a dog the dog didn't have a wetsuit obviously yeah she was strange wasn't she that lady she didn't really want to be there did she <laughs> on the programme in southwest Scotland on the cliff any of it well I think she got her revenge by spending 30 grand on a kitchen. 40. 40? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't look like a 40 grand kitchen, did it? No. no. I mean, it was nice enough, but... Anyway, uh, so, you've been to France. Yep, been on holiday. Um, had a very nice time, thank you. How was the weather? I went... Weather was really good. Better we than in... Puglia. Oh, yeah. It couldn't be any worse in Puglia. Um, no, we had lovely weather. We crossed on a mill pond and um, and then disembarked and we spent the first few days in the Loire Valley uh, near Tours, which was uh, fantastic. We stayed in a... Uh, we went glamping, Rob. Nice. I've never been glamping. How was it? Was um, it glam? It wasn't very glamorous. It, you know, camping is pr- pretty basic, isn't it? You just uh, get a posh really tent. Ni- yeah, it's nice. Com- nice company that do it they're taking over loads of uh i don't know if i spoke about this on the lot oh gosh they're called hartopia i think they're a canadian or an american get up yeah and they are just um yeah they're just really chilled out places it was very bodentastic was it yeah <laughs> i mean you know the archetypal middle class yeah gentleman in transparent glasses uh you know frames uh wandering around with espadrilles i see you fitting um, perfectly with slightly, yeah, slightly boho, Scandinavian, um, scruffy-looking middle-class people. Yeah. Uh, lots of guitar playing. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. I know. Uh, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if I'd seen a ukulele or two mm. there. <laughs> uh, and there's you, just and, with your ocarina. <laughs> um, yeah, no, people didn't take to the euphonium. <laughs> Uh, yeah, lots of good things for kids to do. You know, a little pizza restaurant in the middle of it, and 
uh, sort of nature trails for kids. And, Sounds great. And kids went out and, you know, they went and caught crickets and played with wild things. Yeah. And rather than um, school, you know, like a lot of them, Euro camp and stuff, it's all discos and yeah. uh, makeup and all that nonsense. So this was this was nice. Good. But you do feel like you are in some kind of Bowdoin catalogue. Um, so we went there, and then we, and then after three uh, three days or so, we went down to the bottom of the Loire, or the, or the mouth of the Loire, Loire, uh, the La Vendée, mm-hmm. uh, and um, we've been there a few times, and it was great. It was just big beach, big long beaches. You're camping again there? Yeah, we were in a static caravan. Okay. Um, it's only a small campsite that we were, but we're right by the sea, and uh, Kitty and I just built sandcastles and. We ate mussels and chips and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Grand. It was very nice. We went to the zoo. We went to a water park. Um, yeah, did loads of cool things like that. Sounds good. I love I love a water park. Do you? Yeah. I, did, I, 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 like I would it. never have guessed you for a water park <laughs> fan, John. Uh, um, yeah, I do. I, I, the French ones, they're just a bit more chilled and less crowded. <laughs> <laughs> and Kitty loved it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I like a terrifying water ride. Good. These ones were amazing. They, well, they've really come on since I was a kid. Yeah. They, you know, I went into, went into this one where, I, where you drop out of a hole into a large round room, a bit like Willy Wonka, and spin round it and Jeez. then you drop down through a hole. Sounds horrific. <laughs> and then there was another one where you just literally vertical drop and it goes to about maybe 20 foot wide slide that you go right to the top and then and then come back down again so it's kind of like a scoop oh, there you go. almost like a half pipe no that sounds hideous yeah uh, you know i'm speaking to someone who didn't really learn to sl- swim until my late teens <laughs> uh, just sounds awful it sounds a little bit like one of those training things they do with for lifeboatmen or something yeah, yeah, no, it was it was it was pretty Ooh. pretty full on, but yeah, I recommend it. A- A- Atlantic toboggan, Kitty, uh, my my daughter absolutely loved it. She is n- nails, yeah, <laughs> absolutely fierce. Good on her. Yeah, she's gone back to school today. It's first day of term on a Friday. Well done, Weird, well done, um, local council How for organising that one. Yeah, brilliant. Is she looking <laughs> forward to it? She excited to be back. Yeah, she's in. She's in. Uh, they, they call. She was in something called reception yeah, class, yeah. and now she's in year Proper. one. But she's in year one and two. Weirdly, in our village, they've merged the two first years into one class. How does that work for teaching? <clears throat> well, I think need to be taught different things. Yeah, but they split, and so the bright kids in year one get put in with year two okay. and then the year two teach the year ones what they've learned last year so it's very it lazy work. on the teacher's part i know it, apparently it can work really well okay um, and it and it's often the case in villages mm. where you get you might get one year where there's a lot of kids and then the next year there's only a few it allows them to divide the classes up a bit more easily mm. yes anyway that's really boring isn't no, it not um, at all what I should say is, yeah, so I'm back. I'm meant to feel refreshed and wonderful yes. and uh, straight back into work. And, and I, I cannot say I do. I've come back to the same same stuff. I've just been, I, I actually ignored all emails. I didn't Good. reply to any emails on holiday, on although I could see them coming in. Double-edged sword then. Yeah, but um, I, yeah, I'm really not enjoying, still not enjoying stuff at the moment uh i'm suffering from i, I do suffer from depression and I, and I am suffering from it at the moment so it's a real real struggle just to stay motivated with anything but but is that do you think that kind of leads on from the being sort of dissatisfied with how work is no i don't think it's connect it's not connected in in any way it it i think it's easy it's easy to to blame that you mm. know but uh yeah you definitely feel like i don't have any inspiration um, I'm just sort of, uh, you know, responding to briefs yeah. um, like a proper designer. Really, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not an artist, so I don't. Um, I don't really rely on the creative, creative juices mm. to flow. I, I just, you know, they just come when I, when I'm needed to. But yeah, as as a term of, of, of fulfilling yourself creatively, yeah, you feel there's nothing, nothing there. So, it's 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 a struggle. Yeah. Have you got any sort of plans or ideas on how to? change that 
I you know I've had it for a long. I've never really spoken about it, but I've had it for a long, long time, and I have dealt with it in with medication before, and um, you know, meditation is very good for it, and all those kind of things. But this one is different. I just yeah, I I feel like um, but time time will uh, is a good healer, so I will just crack on and and see what happens. It's, but, um, it's entirely possible you've just been missing me as well. That could be it. Yeah. I could be just pining, couldn't I? That's it. <laughs> it's it's very trend it's very on trend and very in the vogue and I, and I not in the vogue but it's in the public eye it is and, yeah um and i think that's a good thing i don't I, I think that the ways of dealing with it in our country aren't very regular they're you know from county to county mm. they're different mental health care is you know it when i first went to see someone it took me nearly a year to get to see somebody one-to-one um that's a little bit too long, yeah. isn't Was it? Was that through your GP? Yeah, yeah, just kind of regular channels. You, you have to go through um, <clears throat> a, like a phone interviews mm. and stuff. Um, you can go and join uh, groups more quickly. Yeah. But when you're so, so suffering from social anxiety, <laughs> as, as which is my main thing, so, uh, it's not really a uh, very no. <laughs> a very good solution to <laughs> not something. Really, is it? Uh, yeah. So, um, but no, with the with with, with depression, I think yeah, they, you know, it takes us three three weeks to get a uh, an appointment. Um, it's kind of too late, and then it takes you ne- nearly a month to get onto the you know to get the, the medication to get working. Mm. So you, you, you know, you, sometimes you just think, well, I'll just let it let it go, and and it will and it will and head away. But this one doesn't seem to be shifting, so might have to uh, resort to something more uh, more strong. Mm. But yeah, uh, so in terms of other things that I'm doing, <laughs> that's really depressing, isn't oh. it? Sorry. <clears throat> um, I've got a turned up on my. What is on my desk, Rob? Shall I what? do that? John, can you tell me what's on your desk? I accidentally bought something the other day, Rob. Right. Is this um, something you should be telling me about? Uh, you know, I'm, I like 3D printing, right? Yes, you do. And uh, there's another. So I've got a. Um, uh, and what's called an FDM printer. It's like spaghetti, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's hot, hot plastic. And anyway, the, the step up from that is um, is SLA uh, printing, which is resin printing, right. and it's very expensive. So it's something that I've never really looked at. But the Chinese are flooding the market with a new, with loads of new resin printers. And so rather than there's one called Form which is the well-known one. Um I think that's uh, it's between 2 and 5000 dollars for the unit. Right. So it's, you know, it's not a hobbyist yeah. machine. They're flooding the market with <laughs> similar machines, but they're selling them super cheap. I think to obviously to get a foothold. Yeah. They're selling them for like 250 dollars. Why me? Yeah, 250 quid. Um so I bought one. <gasps> Because they're selling out really, really quickly. They're only coming in in batches of, sort of 20 or something on Amazon. Right. But I, I found a site that does, like, uh, product alerts. Okay. And um, and so I, I set that up and, um, and, and managed to nab one. And um, so, yeah, I've got it coming. And so I've got a big a litre of resin sitting on my desk that's turned up early. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going uh, so to have a, a proper resin printer um but the interesting technology thing about this is that normally um these so the way it works is that you uh, it it actually prints upside down so you have a a bed that raises throughout the printing process out of a out of a uh, like a little tank of resin and it it uses a laser to fire and solidify clever um, very clever very clever and it's it's uv reactive so the expensive bit of it, obviously, is the laser and the control mm. of the laser. So what they've done, clever Chinese people, uh, is that they have taken mobile phone technology, so, i.e. the screen of a mobile, yeah. will fire UV light. So the bed of this thing is a, basically a large, um, like a, like a, a mobile like phone screen, and it can fire UV light all at the same time. So... It's much quicker than the other one. It's not quite as high resolution as using lasers. So it means that because um, sc- mobile screens are being mass produced, it's very cheap for them to make the components. So that's what's suddenly brought that price down. So is the mobile phone screen replacing a laser? <laughs> yes. So it's, how is it so powerful the- enough to... Or I don't understand how it works at all. So imagine you took your phone. That is the print bed, and the the the, uh, the screen when it comes on uh, shines the white light 
Um, obviously, they've adapted it so it shines UV light, right. but um, that shines the light through a little mesh onto through into the pool of resin. Right. Um, whereas before, it was a laser with, I think, with mirrors where it but, would reflect. But does the, the printed form then not kind of sit on the, on the, the screen? How does it... I don't understand. The screen is clear. So the screen is underneath yeah. the tank, and it's clear. So it shines through the tank. Um, and then as the print goes, it, it, it gets raised up out of, the, out of the liquid. Oh, OK. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So that, I think that's what's made it suddenly, yeah, you know, cripplingly cheaper than it ever was before. Is this where you tell me the the one litre thing of resin cost three grand? No, it's like uh, twenty five quid. Wow. Yeah. So and that will last ages. Um, if you think uh, like a, a single print will probably use sixty mil. Yeah. Something like that. That sounds fascinating. Have you got a, a, f- a first three D print in mind? Have you been working on a, a model of something? Uh, Is it going to be another Slimer for Kitty? <laughs> no, I haven't yet. No, I haven't. Um, there's a guy in New Zealand, and there's a site called Thingiverse, which is a, kind of like a Google for okay. 3D shapes. Just download anything and you want. Pretty much. Um, he's been building Second World War tanks in his lunchtime in 3D. Now that's yeah. up your alley. Yeah, but he's he's not only building just the normal ones he's building all the avre ones and um oh, like what's, it, early, what's that oh the um uh, the the funnies um they were the ones like that had flailing things on oh, the front okay. of them or flamethrowers they adapted mean. them right. to for engineering yeah, ones so um <clears throat> no and he's you know uh, got early war valentines and uh, all sorts of interesting cool. ones that he's been creating in I think he's been using SolidWorks or some CAD hmm. program that he uses at work. Um, but he's made hundreds of these things. <laughs> so I'm going to print a few of those for our little uh, water cool. tanker so what size, game that we play. What kind of size are you going to print those at? I play it, we play at 15 mil, so that, that's 1 to 100, 120, something yeah. like that. So slightly smaller than your old Airfix kits. Cool. Speaking of Airfix kits, mm-hmm. they've just really, Airfix have just released a, um, a commemorative... Um, uh, oh god what are they called um, Motorhead <laughs> Motorhead branded um, I think it oh, might yes. be a Hurricane Heinkel or is H-E-111 <laughs> wow yeah so even Airfix are getting in on the uh, on the branded that's bizarre special kits he was a big World War 2 nut wasn't he Lemmy old Lemmy yeah uh, that's kind of cool though isn't it so, but I guess what's the difference between that and a normal one is it just a is it just, just I the, think it's the just decals? the labels. Yeah. yeah. Still quite cool. I quite fancy doing a like a traditional World War II airfix kit after doing a kind of Gundam robots. It's kind of got me back in the... In Their the model making is, is good, isn't it? It's good yeah, fun. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, really, it's very really, therapeutic. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And and. And so with the uh, with the three D printer, you can really you can make custom bits mm. for your models as well if you if you're really into yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but mainly, yeah, we're going to be making uh, bits for our for our war game cool. stuff. So bocage is one of the, the my first thing that I'm going to be making. Lots of bocage. What's bocage? Bocage is the countryside in Normandy that was sort of high banks. Okay, of, uh, it's how they um, divided their fields into yeah. workable sort of. The peasants sort of blocked them in, but it was a huge barrier to. I, I remember the, buying those kind of airfix bases with that kind of style landscape when I yeah. was a kid. Yeah, just didn't know the terminology. <laughs> so yeah, so where was it? So yeah, I've got that turning up today. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get much time to do it, but yeah, it's um, sounds great. The quality of it, the quality of it is insane. Um, I think it's like point zero five of a millimeter each layer, rather than point two millimeters uh, that's on the other printer. So, so it really is exceptionally sharp. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking uh, some of your little space models. If anybody's rendered any, well, we could I've quite print a few. Some off. Quite a few have been rendered. Um, I keep telling myself I need to learn blender so that i can start oh, putting some stuff together there's a new version tra- out of blender you- that's yes, a, it- a lot easier 
looking. Yeah, I, I, I've looked at it actually because I've I've got um, Cinema 4D, right. um, which, but I've got like the basic version of it, mm-hmm. which still cost it still has cost me a couple of thousand over the last few years, and I've used it bits and bobs, but not really much. Yeah. But they've just gone to a subscription model, which oh, okay. is crazy, um, and it's now it's like sixty quid a month for it. Yeah, it's very similar in in the interface to um, Cinema 4D. It looks yeah. to me, anyway. It, I mean, I remember trying to use it about three or four years ago, and just my head exploding. You couldn't even you, you, right click was a left click. I don't know. I, just, I could not get anything <laughs> so, to do anything. What, you know? what were they thinking? <laughs> yeah, baffling. Right click, left click. Yeah, but um, that'd be cool. Be really uh, cool to print out some little. Yeah, if anyone's meshes. got any uh, meshes already, then send them over, and we'll yeah. we'll do a test print because it would be so cool to have some little. Uh, even if we did them as limited edition art kind of things, yeah. of painting them up and actually making proper little models. How well does this resin take paint? <laughs> really well. Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. Yeah, if you can get some acrylic on it, um, it'll work fine. Nice. So yeah, so reading. I've read just read a load of novels by. James Holland, who is a historian who I really, really like. He does a podcast with um, Al Murray okay. uh, about the history. Um, it's about history. What is it called? I think it's called We Have Ways of Making You Talk. <laughs> um, and he's uh, a thoroughly interesting chap, but he's he's written uh, five books in the past. They're about a chap called Jack Tanner, who's pr- pretty much sharp, mixed with commando comic. Cool. And uh, they're really good. <laughs> really, I just churn through just them. Just proper on the action. Day. Oh, they t- you know yeah, totally Great cheesy, stuff. cheesy as hell. But they're re- they're really good because they go from Norway to the fall of France and then Egypt and Sicily. So yeah, they're sort of the period of of the Second World War that I'm interested mm. in. So it's good. Yeah, it's good. Um, and now I'm reading a Charles Stroll book. The second one I've read, Stross. laundry novels. Stross. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I find him a bit annoying. Well, his his uh, his thing is is weird because each laundry novel has mimics a different genre of writing, which I didn't yeah. realise until he mentioned it on his blog. Right. So one of them is a Bond novel. Another one is like noir. Another one is like straight horror. So that, I mean, all whiles dealing with the kind of you know kind of Lovecraftian apocalypse yeah. type thing. Um, yeah, I'm a bit behind on his books. I don't think I've read the last two or three of these laundry novels, but I, I really I just, enjoy them. I find it quite, yeah, I, I think the ideas and the concepts in them are fantastic, and uh, I wish that they followed the kind of um, Ben Aranovich, uh, his style, yeah. that he sticks to one style and, and let the story come through, because mm-hmm. it's just a bit irritating having that massive shift. Yeah. It's like he's writing for himself rather than for somebody else. So what's on your desk? Well, I still have not managed to read anything. I've barely read a book since early March. I'm just really struggling to find the time and find the concentration to to read. So, no reading. I have been watching Mindhunter. Uh, so I binged series one over the last few days, and I've just started series two. And I just love it. Yeah. It's, it's really nice when you discover something. I mean, I know everyone's been harping on about it for a year. But that is just so uh, adult and sophisticated. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I, I don't remember anybody raving about the first se- season, no? do you? Well, I, yeah, I, I watched much. it and just thought, this is absolutely excellent. Like you say, it's adult, grown-up, yeah. it's not trying to do anything. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to start watching the second season. Yeah, it's very, very good. The soundtrack's great as well, both the kind of incidental music of the era and the and the kind of thematic music that's used throughout it that's kind of almost like uh, you know when certain things happen or when certain characters are doing things you kind of get like a theme uh, to the music and I really really enjoy that which is something that's it's almost like the sort of thing you get in big blockbuster films you know you kind of get a you know Darth Vader's theme or uh, in the Avengers, you know, Captain America has a, like a little refrain that comes up even, you know, in an Avengers film. Um, and you see it, you hear it, rather, in Mindhunter as well, when certain things are happening, when certain characters are in, you get similar refrains that kind of make you feel in a certain way, which I really like. Uh, so, yes, that's good. So I'll be watching another episode of that today. 
just finished a couple of commissions. Um, one which I've had on my drawing board for weeks, and I've kept coming back to it. And it wasn't a difficult commission. I just couldn't get it right. So I just kept putting it off and doing a little bit and not getting it. And the problem I have when that happens to me is that if one little project stalls me, it kind of stalls not just that project, but all of me. Hang on, I've just got to get the door up. Has your printer arrived? It was. He just thrust this massively heavy box into my hands and I fell back through the door holding it. Uh, uh, the total numpty. Uh, you should stay away from heavy machinery to today. 3D print yourself a, a mechanical exoskeleton. Sorry, you were saying um, yeah, about, when, uh, when being stuck. Yeah, when if I get stuck on a project, it, it kind of kind of bungs me up uh, for everything. You know, so I've, I've been struggling with one commission, and it makes it really hard for me to draw anything. I really struggle to be creative because I think at the back of the mind, I know that I've got this other thing that I need to finish. Is that, I was going to say, is that because you are constantly having to go back and try and fix what you're doing and you can't concentrate on anything else? I think so. Um, I mean, I really love having a project. So I like working on kind of one thing at a time, as does Ralph. Um, And I've talked in the past about how I think it's probably better for me if I have several projects on the go at once that I can jump from one to the other. But I think if one of those projects is a struggle, I don't know, it's something I've got to learn to deal with, I think. Yeah, do you find that you uh, over-obsess on that particular one that's causing trouble, or does it just, does everything grind to a halt? Yeah, does even absolutely. That one, it just, yeah. everything grinds to a halt. See, I, 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 if I'm if I'm in that way, I, I will just obsess about that one single thing, mm. even if I'm meant to be doing something else. Yeah. Like I can't leave it alone, and it's almost like I, I, I almost become too scared to go into my own studio. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I, will, I will avoid it because I know it's there. It's like a a golem or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so it can be a really good idea just to go and do some other work somewhere else. And that I find that really fixes things. You know, I'll go and work at the kitchen on something completely different. Yeah. But it's always nagging away, isn't it? It is. Um, and you can't avoid your workplace. It, it You can't make that become somewhere you don't want to be because yeah. that makes it really unpleasant. Yeah. So on the back of that, talking about projects, uh, I've started thinking about Inktober this year. It's creeping up three, four right. weeks away. I don't know. <laughs> uh, do I do it? Do I bother? I kind of enjoy it, uh, but it can be a real slog. And, there, you know, the pressure seems to be more and more each year um, with more people doing it, kind of bigger beasts in the illustration world, getting involved. And I think I just need to... On one hand, it'd be great if I just do it and do my own thing and don't worry about what anyone else is doing and just do something that I'm going to enjoy for 31 days, or 30 days, 31, 31 days. Um, but on the other hand, because I'm a, a fish, a, you know, trying to be a commercial illustrator, I, I want to do something that I can sell. So it's a bit of a balancing act. I, I think a couple of the ideas for themes I've had, I'd probably enjoy, but wouldn't be remotely commercial. So do I try and find another theme that fulfills both aspects of it? Um, so I haven't uh, uh, figured that one out yet. Are you are you uh, partaking this year, John? It's going to be too busy. I don't I don't know at the moment. Um, I did. I, I I think I spoke about what my idea was, and I've completely forgotten what it was oh. that I was going to do. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it for me. I, you know, I I don't know if I get the time. I do enjoy it. Yeah, that's um, the thing, isn't it? It's worth it in that regard. If it's something completely different from your day-to-day work that you can you can involve yourself on and enjoy. But yeah. on the flip side, if there's pressure to finish it and you're going to struggle for time, then you don't want it to be something that you're going to have to fret about. Which yeah, is the same for everyone. I mean, there's so much of it about on Twitter about Inktober and you know, people saying how much pressure there is to, to do some kind of, you know, magnum, magnus opus, magnum opus, magnum opus. Yeah. No. Uh, well, I think the original concept of it is something that, 
that is 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 of interest to people because you can compare your work to other people of what they've done mm. but now it's become a sort of free-for-all of like how excellent can i do a drawing in one day yeah. you know per day um and a lot of it is very pre a lot of people's are very pre-prepared yes. and um you know you, there's no way in on god's earth have they done that in one day you know um so yeah I think as a concept, it's great. As a reality, I think it's coming near the end of its mm. life. These things don't have a long life. No, today. I think it'll it'll kind of fade from mass consciousness, won't it? And it it maybe go back to its roots of just being kind of a a thing for self improvement. I think too. But um, now I've got a conundrum. Have you um, sit? Uh, try sitting on a round cushion. <laughs> uh, I've got an influencer conundrum. <laughs> Yeah, especially that. (laughs) An influencer, what's that? So I got contacted ages and ages ago by a a company that makes art supplies, um, markers and kind of fine liner pens and stuff, a lot of the stuff that I use, but I'd never heard of the company. Uh, So I I just ignored their emails. Basically, they were saying, you know, would you be interested in kind of collaborating or whatever? And I ignored it. And they sent me another email. I ignored it. And then I saw a couple of people on Instagram whose art I really, really like using these products. I thought, actually, if they're if they're using them, they're going to be good. So I got back to one of these emails and said, yeah, happy to, to look at your products if you want to send me some stuff. Um, and they were like, yeah, you know, if we send you some stuff, can you kind of review it and put it on your Instagram stories and whatever? I'm like, yeah, fine. And it's arrived, and it all looks great. Beautifully packaged, kind of uh, almost like a camera bag full of markers um, and a big box of coloured fine liners and a couple of sketchbooks. And it's like, you know, a couple of hundred quids worth of stuff. But it's not very good. Um, right. So what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I think you're- I, I think I, I think the it's fine, but it's not. I don't think it's kind of high quality art material stuff. I think it'd be great for students. Um, it's certainly cheaper than kind of Copic markers. Yeah. But um, well, I think you if you're going to go down that route of reviewing stuff for people, they want a balanced review, don't they? So mm. you need to say. Um, yeah, this this is who I think it would be great for. This is what it's really good at. This is what it's not so good at, and do a comparison if you can be bothered. You know, yeah. I mean, otherwise, just just take the freebie <laughs> yeah. or, or or give them away. You know, just yeah, say yeah. you know, first students contact me, give them away. But I think they'll they'll be expecting you to give a rounded review, not just say no. I hate these things because. <laughs> You know, that it's very personal, isn't it? it? Is, Pens, yeah. I guess, to you, you weird illustrators. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what? I mean, yeah, I'll just give it a rounded review of yeah. what you think it would be good for. I mean, how much cheaper are they than? Oh, I the think they're pens? a third of the price. Well, there you go. Yeah. So for for students, they would be ideal, wouldn't they? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Are you now? Is that what you are now? You're an influencer. Have you got that in your tagline of your social, no. social media <clears> stuff? I do not. <laughs> uh, it's the first free stuff anyone's ever sent me. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Be nice if it was, you know, the people who I use, but uh, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it for what's on my desk. I've been listening to, because I haven't been reading, I've been listening to uh, John Bramwell. Do you know John Bramwell? No. Lead singer of I Am Clute. Oh, yeah. And he had a, I don't know how I came across this, it was an album. He released a solo album from last year called Leave Alone the Empty Spaces. And it's beautiful. Really, really lovely kind of folkish uh, stuff. And it's really, really good. There's an album, there's a song in it called Time's Arrow, which I'm kind of slightly obsessed by and play on repeat. And give it a go. Yeah, very good. I, I've been listening to Purple Mountains, which um, is Dave Berman's latest band. He, um, well, he was a lead singer of the Silver Jews, um, okay. who are kind of like all country. Yeah. Um, a really amazing poet, really amazing person. And, um, sadly, he died uh, last month, just as he was about to start touring for, mm. with this band. Um, but yeah, sadly, he uh, was a, not a happy man. Mm. So yeah, uh, but yeah, Purple Mountains. Check it out. I will. 
have you got any news, John? Yeah, I've got some. Bits and bobs. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, I'll start, because you were talking okay. about uh, board games and your World War Two games and things. There's a board game all over on Kickstarter, and it's based yeah. on the film District 9 by oh, yeah. Bloomkamp, which I really liked. Ooh, good figures. Uh, they'll be, won't Yeah, they? it's by figures. Weta Workshop. Really? So I didn't know, but they produce kits. Model, they're really expensive, but of stuff that they've done in films. So, like, mm-hmm. you can get a chappy model, you can get stuff from Lord of the Rings, you can get John. Uh, <laughs> you can get stuff from District 9, the robots. Now you know the use uh, of my 3D print. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this looks really nice. It's a similar kind of feel to the figures as the Hellboy mm-hmm. uh, game that you've got. Uh, but if yeah, if you're a kind of sci-fi District Nine fan, that's definitely one to look out for. I think it's about a hundred quid for the the game, something yeah. like that, or eighty. That's 80 meaty, quid. isn't it? Yeah, uh, but looks good. So they so they sell they sell actual figures. Are they they like resin figures? Are they or uh, they sell kits? I think like model really expensive wow. detailed model kits. Um, yeah. Who's the guy? You know. Um, Oh, Mythbusters. Adam Savage, that used to do Mythbusters, an American TV program. He right. does, uh, he has a YouTube channel and he does all these kind of builds and kits and kind of scratch builds and kit bashing stuff. And he's built a couple of their um, their model kits and they look amazing, but they're not cheap. Oh. Right, okay. The, the, um, yeah, on the similar vein, uh, Warlord Games, who are kind of an offshoot of uh, Games Workshop, yeah. they've got their Judge Dread is coming. Is coming. Mm-hmm. So um, if you like Judge Dread and you, they've got a game coming out for it. But if you just want the figs, uh, they look fabulous. They've already got a Strontium Dog skirmish tabletop game out, which I've missed. Um, and I do love a bit of Strontium Dog. Yeah, I love Strontium Dog. Very expensive. Yeah. Again, the licensing must be killing yeah. them on it. Um, but that, that's that's the way with those. There's a site actually called, uh, if you are into that kind of stuff or you want to, you know, going a bit retro, um, it's called Hero Forge. And I think I might have mentioned it ages We've ago on the site. about them, yeah. It's massively improved yeah. now. But you can now download the STL files for it. So you can buy just the, um, which are the 3D meshes. Oh, okay. You so you own. don't have to buy that. Yeah, you can print your own. So you, can, you could create Christmas presents for people, make stupid, uh, make you, you know, your your uh, partner or whatever nice. make a really stupid model and paint it up for them as a present <laughs> oh they've got a lot more uh, options in there now haven't they as well? yeah, oh yeah no it's, it's it's crazy what you can do um, it's almost like a poser 3D yeah. program uh, but for dwarfs cool and hobbits and things like that <clears throat> um, and on to the uh, more so, oh, okay so a news, another news bit is Alan Moore has retired uh, he of the, uh, the comic writer yep. Uh, I think he was an artist, wasn't he, at times? Um, but mainly wrote uh, scripts for, uh, you know, some of the major comics Absolutely. that have really transformed uh, comic books from the 1970s kind of superhero, you know, whiter than white, uh, to the yeah. sort of the grungier Watchmen, end of it. Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen, yeah. From Hell. Yeah, From Hell, is, I think, is his, I'd Halo say his magnum opus. I've ju- I reread a few of those last year. I really enjoyed I those. They were my favourite things in uh, 2018. Yeah. He just built that world so well. But yeah, so it would be you know I don't think he's done anything really for the last few years. But he's um he's bowing out. He's been writing novels, hasn't he? Didn't he write a a giant novel about his hometown? Is it Nottingham he lives? <laughs> uh, kind of, but literally a huge, dense novel, uh, right? about some sort of dystopian version of Nottingham, uh, which is a bit weird. Yeah, he's a he's a grumpy bugger, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, his, his, uh, his CV is pretty, pretty stellar. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if his, his uh, retirement lasts or whether. I don't know, how, how do you retire when you're a creative person? You can't just stop having ideas, can you? Maybe they just run out. Maybe. Maybe there's a finite amount of that's ideas. What uh, that's what's happened to me. Oh. Yeah, I just run out. I only had so many. Design news, Rob. Got any? <laughs> no, I don't have any design news. Uh, uh, Mike, Su- Mike Sullivan tweeted an interesting link to the British government, um, which is a, a sort of an article about changing 
changes to the design laws that could happen yeah. um, after October the 31st. I think if you are branding in branding or anything to do with copywriting, you need to read this stuff and, and gen up on it because it is going to make a big difference when we leave the EU. I mean, it just looks impenetrably dense and complicated, having a quick look at that, doesn't it? Yeah. But if you've got something trademarked in the EU at the moment um, and you haven't got it trademarked in the UK, you need to start thinking about that because th- there's going to be a lot of ripping off going. Mm. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, fighting going oh over God. assets. That's if we leave, John. We're, well, we are leaving, aren't we? So. Who knows? <laughs> Um, I'll only believe it if I see uh, Boris Johnson dead in a ditch. (laughs) (coughs) Uh, What else have I got? I've got Vanta Black, John. It's not back again. It is. I thought it disappeared up its own fundament. No, you just can't see it. Uh, (laughs) Vanta Black have partnered with BMW for a PR stunt. To, they've um, they've coated a BMW X6, one of their impossibly large SUV, disgusting, yeah, things uh, that you see well, on the probably just as well. You isn't see it? on the school run, uh, and it looks so strange in Vanta Black. I mean, it kind of looks, you know, like it's kind of a, a velvet car because it just, all uh, the the styling on it just disappears. I think they've done this because they've got this new kind of headlight and grill illuminated grill cluster that they're showing off for this new car mm-hmm. so having a yeah, jet no. black car just works to show that off but it's a very strange it looks like a, a bad you know a render that's glitched there are no highlight yeah. details or shadow very details weird. are they it's just flat i can't very imagine how flat. strange it must look driving down the street that's a really ugly car isn't yeah. it bmw yeah. have been hitting their cars with ugly sticks for a long time now <clears throat> Well, I think they should never get. I can't remember that. Was, they had an English designer, didn't they? Did did uh, was it the the new three Z4, series? Z three, yeah. yeah. And it was that kind of they called it flame something flame design, and it was all kind of sharp curves and cutaways and things. And I really liked it, but they sacked him after after that because I don't think people were buying it. But yeah, just huge, bland, big cars now. Other designs news. Um, uh, this one was quite interesting because uh, it was pre. It was it's a brand, rebrand, mm. but it's actually just somebody has redrawn the Boots script. Mm. Have you seen that Boots, the yeah, yeah. chemist in in the UK, big big chemist here? Um, a chap called Rob Clark, who's a lettering artist and type designer. And what I love about this story is one, he's done an excellent job and made it look uh, it just smarter and neater um, and. Uh, but what I really like about it is that it's picked out the individual who's done the actual design work yeah. on it rather than the agency and all the extra bits that come out from it. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to say well done, Rob Clark. It's, and, it's um, beautiful work. You don't appreciate how good it is until you look at the old one, though, I don't think. A lot of people, this is going to be one of those things where they pay down, much to get them to redraw that. It looks just the same. But actually, it's so much, there's more balance to it. The, the kind of details in it are, are more clearly defined there's uh, just a bit more design sense about it Bal- uh, yeah, it's it's really nicely done yeah yeah so w- well done to him and i haven't been onto any sites to l- read any of those no. comments i'm not going to bother i'm just uh, i'm going to refer you on the show notes straight to rob clark's website yeah. and uh, yeah congratulations it looks fan- fantastic excellent work you should be really pleased with that and i like the uh, the fact that they're going like kellogg's they've uh, you know they're, they're blowing up the logo yeah. and bleeding it off the edge of trucks and things yeah, like that. Just, absolutely, make it. I don't a, know if that's real. I know it's just Photoshop stuff, but it looks. It awesome. should. They should really make it a, the yeah, hero. No, everyone they? knows what it is. Yeah. It doesn't need to have the chemist mm. or whatever underneath it. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's all my design news. I think. Is it? Uh, mm. I've got a little bit of art stuff. Uh, mm. John Harris. Uh, famous sci-fi uh, artist. You might not know the name, but you would recognise his work from zillions of book covers. <clears throat> um, I, until recently, I didn't realise he was still working, but he's, he's, he does all the stuff for uh, Anne Leckie's books. Um, oh, does he? Yeah. Um, so is he renowned as an artist who did stuff for book covers or did he do matte painting or no, I don't know anything about No, he's literally him. being book covers. 
I think. Right. Um, and I got a, a book, The Art of John Harris, Beyond the Horizon, quite recently, and this is a, a little documentary which kind of goes with this this book. Uh, and it talks about his process of kind of coming up with ideas. And I, I can't, I'm sure from the book I read there was LSD involved. But uh, in this documentary, he talks about lucid dreaming and vivid dreaming and, and literally kind of going into almost like a trance-like state and, and experiencing these weird sci-fi landscapes. And when he came out of this state, he could they were there, they were formed, so he just had to paint them. Wow. Um, but it's also a great look at his workshop. He paints on a grand scale, kind of mixed media oils and pastels. And his paintings are really beautiful things in themselves. Uh, so it's a great insight into the work of one of the oh, kind. Oh, de- definitely give that give that a watch. And the book is beautiful. The, I, I watched an I watched a design film actually just by accident because it was on BBC Four mm-hmm. I think while I was sitting vegging out a few weeks ago. It's Rams and it's continued oh, yeah. by Gary Hustwick, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know who did the um, the Helvetica. Yeah, uh, it's um, it's in the same style. So there's a lot of piano music that you have to kind of zone out mm. of. Uh, very interesting film uh, about an interesting man who's quite marmite to like i think yeah. he's quite he's um he's he's really nice and peaceful and um, but he's um there's something about it you know he lives in a house that's that's literally a museum to his own work <laughs> so his kitchen is you know has been the same since the mid 60s and it contains all of the gadgets that he designed and his stereo is you know his stereo so he has obviously has a vision for the world yeah <laughs> he doesn't go outside. Why not? But it's um, it's a fascinating film. Yeah, really good. And the best, the one of my favourite bits of it is he's walking through a kind of, I think it might be a storage area in a museum or something like that, um, with all these old classic uh, bits of furniture yeah. from sixties and seventies. And he criticises the designers without uh, <laughs> without any kind of um, uh, shame of or you know or uh, kowtowing to their to their name so um and that, that's for, you have to praise him for that yeah. and that, that's something that designers could really uh do well by is um is uh, is to is to actually criticize work but criticize it with uh you know with an objective view in mind rather than um loving or hating something in a marmite way yes you got to see the whole the whole picture mm. what it's trying to do um, and his, you know, main tenet is make it simple um, and make it usable. That's not a single tenet, is it? It's two. <laughs> well, he's got ten. He's got ten actually, hasn't he? He's got ten yeah, principles of design that's kicking around somewhere. Yeah, um, which you you keep seeing. Oh, people doing their riff on it, don't you? Like you know, ten principles of conference organisation or ten principles of. Influence. No, it's just, just. Do you know what it is? It's called common sense. Yes. Listen to, read the brief, listen to the customer, challenge them on some of their ridiculous world thoughts, (laughs) and then, and then deliver your work. Um, Speaking of delivering, there's a book out by uh, the chaps who do uh, make Basecamp, the project management thing. Um, Were they Thirty Seven Signals? Are they still called Thirty Seven Signals? Yeah, I think so. Uh, It's called Shape Up. And it's an insight into how they work. And they work in um, kind of uh, a very quick, uh, rapid way of working. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in six weekly cycles. So they set deadlines for six weekly cycles. And then they give utter autonomy, what they say, to the designers and the, um, and the uh, engineers who are working on whatever they're, they're doing. Um, but they set specific parameters. Um, and it's a really interesting insight into a, a, a very successful business mm. that, that works mainly remotely don't they yeah and you can read it online yeah you can read it online it's free oh, cool so give it a go and finishing off i'm going to finish off on the vna and do it uh, announcing the london design festival which is on uh starts week after next mm-hmm. next week uh it's oh, 14th of september so next saturday um i, I still i, I still in my mind a designer is a graphic designer and this isn't about graphic design this is about interior and textile and product design um i think even the design museum has that it does graphic uh, design seems to be like the poor relation am i am i is it just the way i approach it that i see because i see design as yeah as a graphical yeah i do as well a lot of the things that seem to get thrown into design 
you know, uh, it's architecture design. Well, yeah, it, architecture. Well, it is, but it's architecture. You know, it doesn't yeah. need doesn't need to come under the umbrella of design. Yeah, and this this seems to be a lot of it is is um, architecture yeah. and product product design, which I, I, does obviously come under the bracket of design, but. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, and also if you're watching at the moment, there's the interior design program on BBC Two. Oh god, uh, that's awful. <laughs> the, the, I mean, the, it's not an awful program, but the, no. the, most of the designers on it are terrible. Well, they're just—I I think they've hit this millennium thing where they are just so sure of their of their yeah. insane capabilities. Yeah. That nobody's ever checked them and said, um, actually, you do need some experience to well, be doing this. Well, that's the weird thing, isn't it? I guess it's, for, it's, you know, you take it with a pinch of salt because it's designed for TV, so they haven't picked, you know, the 10 best designers they could find. They've picked people who think they're the greatest yeah, designer. No, but I mean, and they're it, not working in design, most of them. You know, there's a, somebody who manages no. restaurants and someone else who works in a bank or whatever. And but it's the it's the finish of these things. Yeah. If I you came into that room, you'd be like in half the rooms that they did a load of student rooms yeah. this week. You'd be uh, you, you'd have tetanus on, you know, <laughs> after a couple of days, wouldn't you? Yeah, like with all the things, the jagged bits sticking yeah. out, the unpainted stuff, the scuffed edges. Oh, it was so poor. I was I was in. I was just my toes were curling mm. up watching it. Um, there's some great ideas in there and great thinking, but it's the it's this unrelenting confidence that they have in their own ability yeah. and this kind of the, the the tension between them they're meant to be working in teams but they're just bitching about each other and, <laughs> yeah. but, but not in a kind of criti- critical way they're just saying I'm obviously so much better yeah. and they are so much yeah. worse than me it's hilarious <laughs> they're delusional yeah oh, dear. so yeah check that out it's on BBC 2 on Tuesdays is it yeah, something like I think that so. Uh, okay. Should we go to website of the website week? Of the week, yeah. I have got a little fundraising campaign. It's okay. a big green bookshop on Twitter who kind of promote. It's a bookshop. I can't remember whereabouts, but they kind of promote independent bookshops and uh, they're a good Twitter account to read if you're interested in books. Um, and Melissa Harrison, who's a, an author, got together and they decided to try and raise some money to get Greta Thunberg's book nobody's too small to make a difference into a hundred different uk schools um and they smashed their target and and they're up to 12 and a half grand or something now so they've got i don't know five thousand copies of it into uk schools which is great and penguin the publisher have agreed to match that so they're going to donate the same amount of copies to uk schools and i just think it's fantastic um particularly because there's this kind of right-wing backlash against Greta Thunberg, uh, which is completely undeserved. You know, she's an incredible young girl, and the things she's doing are fantastic. So I think the more people read her little book of speeches, the better. So let's get it into schools. Um, so that's a great little fundraiser. So the link to that is going to be on the show notes. Brilliant. Mine is a re, uh, an individual's redesign of their website. Somebody who I really admire and I've been following for a long time. He's kind of um, he's a designer. He's he also runs an event um, called uh, New Adventures. Uh, he's called Simon Collison. If you go to collie dot com, c o l l y dot com, uh, I thought it, it, it's a really open and um, interesting way to present yourself as a designer because he's kind of done a timeline of his own life it's really and, nice and it's beautifully designed it's, it's it's very print uh designed it's got uh sort of um <clears throat> annotations at the bottom um so it's quite uh, uh what's what i'm trying to say academic yeah in the way that he's approached it but he's such a thoughtful um interesting chap um that i you know, it, I'd read his journal. He's got lots of good things to say. He's been massively influential in the web design uh, community. Um, and it would be good to see him coming back. He's been out in America and doing all sorts of right. things. But it would be good to see him working in the UK again. Yeah, I didn't really um, know him. I'm, we've talked about new adventures on the podcast a couple of times, haven't we? But um, just reading a few bits on the, the website, he just comes across as a one, incredibly knowledgeable about his stuff. And two, he just writes in a really nice down-to-earth way um and overall i think the turn of voice on that website is is just fab you know kind of getting across who he is yeah yeah i'm a big big fan of him Mm. so yeah go and check him out 
Cool. Pies. Pies. Have you got pie, John? Yes, I have, finally. I got one out of the freezer. I dug it out. Good work. Um, it's like the thing. Uh, no, this one's called... It's by a company called Mud. I've had one of theirs before. Right. This is a game pie. Um, it's got venison, partridge, pheasant, slowly simmered in red wine with juniper and herbs. Mm. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's a, it's a short cross pastry. I'm going in because, well, I don't know. There's no crunch because it collapsed. Yes. Um, yeah, pastry's excellent. Mm. I love game pie. Lovely chunk of uh, venison there. Uh, of venison there. Uh, mm. Good gravy. Really well seasoned. I'm going to give that a seven. Wow. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I had a bit of a mystery pie. I've just solved the mystery. But um, because I, I bought this a couple of months ago from... Backman's Patisserie in Thamesdown, and I couldn't remember what it was. Then you know how they, they quite often put like a little pastry shape of what it is on the mm-hmm. top, uh, sheep or cow or whatever. And this, I couldn't. It looks like a fat penguin or a beaver, and I'm thinking <coughs> it's probably neither of those. So no. anyway, I've discovered it's it's a chicken, ham, and leek pie, ah. which is nice because that's my favourite pie. Again, chocolate pastry. Mine's got a funny shape on it as well. Yeah. I've been trying to work out what it was. It's a rabbit. Oh, okay. mine is. I've turned it on its side. It did. Yeah, mine. If you turn it like that, it's like an owl. Yeah. I don't think there's an owl in here. This is a really nice pie. I think. Yeah. It's probably right at the upper limit for salt. So a smidge more, and you'd be thinking, "Oh, this is too salty." But it's right on that thing where it's just like, "Oh God, this is so tasty." Um. Yeah. Really nice, big, nice big chunks of chicken. Um, I don't really see much ham, and it just tastes more like a chicken and leek pie than a chicken ham and leek pie. But uh, that's just is delicious. that a, lo- a locally made jobby? Yeah. So Backman's Patisserie in Thames didn't. Uh, I think it's second generation running it now. Uh, Mister, the original Mister Backman was a Swiss patissier that came over and set up this company, and his son runs it now. They've won loads of awards. And their cakes are just jaw-droppingly divine. Um, and they've just started doing pies. So it's fantastic. Not bad. What are you going to give that? Mm. I was going to get a 9.1. 9.1? 9. 1. Mm. Do you know, for the first time in 15 years, we did a wedding a couple of weeks ago. And the week before the wedding, I'd seen the the couple at the venue while we were setting up another wedding. And they were talking about they were having a pork pie cake, which I've seen quite a few times. And I just said about how much I like pork pies. And anyway, we delivered the bouquets and the bride came up to me and gave me a pork pie. What? First time in 15 years I've got a gift from a bride. And it was bloody delicious. Yeah? Yeah. All the jelly. Where was uh, it made? I can't remember now. I'll dig it out and I'll put it on their show notes. But it was... Um, it was from some company in Devon. Um, right. but God, it was fantastic. One of the best pot pies I've had. Oh. Yeah, so that was a treat. I mean, having been in France, I haven't had many pies. No. No, a lot of sausages. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so, what's uh, what have you got lined up for the weekend? It's Fest on Saturday. What is that? Well, it's my village's attempt oh, of at Glastonbury. Four marks. Four fest. Yes, it's a musical... Festival on Saturday. Is there anyone of to note? Get yourself down to the to the hood. Is there anyone of note performing? No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you taking your euphonium? <laughs> I might do. Mm. Um, give it a pop. <laughs> no, uh, there's that. I've got lots of tidying up to do because we've got back and haven't mowed the lawn or anything right. like that yet. So just boring, boring stuff like that. Cool. Are you going to have time to set up your new 3D printer? Yes, it's right behind me. I've got one thing to do for a client, okay. and I'm going to go on to it. But Kitty comes home in an hour, okay. so I won't get much time, will I? Mm. Uh, it's pizza night tonight, so nice. I'm making pizzas. Delicious. What are you up to? We've, got, working? we've got a tiny wedding this week. Right. Uh, we had a tiny wedding. For shrews? Or? Yes. Tiny mm-hmm. wedding for shrews yesterday, tiny wedding for voles tomorrow. <laughs> and then next week, uh, we have the mother of all wedding weeks. Oh, yeah. Two venues. Uh, 
50 miles apart, plus uh, flowers at St. Paul's Cathedral. Uh, so it's a logistical nightmare. Yeah. So come next Sunday, I will be a very happy man. And possibly <laughs> 90% gin. <laughs> Are you going somewhere special for gin then? Or? Uh, I don't, I'm just going to have it intravenously pumped into me uh, mm, on the sofa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's the plan. Well, I'll leave you to pumping yourself on the sofa. <laughs> well, I shall leave you to pop your euphonium. <laughs> All right, mate. Uh, well, lovely to speak been to a joy. you. And, uh, yeah, we're going to try and get back to this. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Right, cheers, John. Bye. Bye.